1: Welcome to episode 116 of the Observer's Notebook podcast, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I am Tim Robertson, the host of the Observer's Notebook and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. Thanks for downloading and listening. The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomena, and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers, also known as The Strolling Astronomer. This podcast depends depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you do enjoy what you hear on the podcast, you can donate to it via Patreon. You can give as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5, you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you receive producer credits on the podcast, and one year's membership to the ALPO. You can help us out by going to www.patreon.com forward slash Observer's Notebook. And if you'd like to join the ALPO, you can for as little as $18 a year. For more information, you can visit us on the internet at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And you can also find us on the Book of Faces. Just search for it. A-L-P-O Astronomy And yes, this here podcast has its own Facebook page as well Just search for Observer's Notebook If you enjoy what you hear in the podcast Please, please, please subscribe That way you'll never miss another episode of the Observer's Notebook And now, episode 116 Hey, who wants to go watch a meteor shower? I do, I do With Bob Lunsford Enjoy All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to this edition of the Observer's Notebook Podcast, and we have a multi-repeat pack uh, guest, Bob Lunsford. Welcome back, Bob.
0: Thank you very much. Thank goodness Meteor Showers are annual, or uh, I'd probably be pretty rare on here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they're, they're exciting to watch, too. I'd I, I like everybody who listens to go out there at least one or two nights to go out there and see what get, they can see on Meteor Showers.
0: Well, we just finished the Doldrums of Winter. Uh, the last major meteor shower is the Quadranids mm-hmm. back on January 3rd. So it's been kind of a drought here. Nothing major. It seems at this time of year, the southern hemisphere uh, during their summertime uh, is the place to go to watch meteors. Uh, but they have nothing like we do up, up north. We, uh, we're lucky here. They may, they may have all the nice uh, clusters and bright stars, <laughs> but uh, we definitely have the meteor showers here. Is there a reason for that? It's just ha- happens to be <laughs> the time that we're alive. To okay. Be, this okay. it's, it's constantly shifting. Believe me, we're, we just happen to be lucky. Okay. Um, you know, meteor showers come and go mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's going to be uh Southern hemispheric showers that are going to be, uh, in, you know, uh, taken over sooner or later. So, there you go. In, in fact, they predict in a couple hundred years, the strongest shower of the year will be the Alpha Capricornets. Really? Right. Because the orbit of that uh, particular uh, meteor shower is getting closer to the Earth. Okay. And in a couple hundred years, it's gonna we're going to plow right through it every July. And uh, it's supposed to be stronger than... Anything going on right now, so wow, your so we'll watchers of the future's got something to look forward to.
1: We'll have to do a podcast for that one. <laughs> <around. laughs> yeah, okay, I'll, I'll mark it on my calendar right now. You do that, uh,
0: 24 21. How's 24, that? Sound?
1: 21. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right, uh, let's pencil it in. In the meantime, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's let's April. We on. have a
0: meteor shower coming, we do. We have the lyrics. Which actually are located in Hercules, but uh, I guess the uh, when they first saw this, they thought they came from Lyra. Back then, there weren't particular boundaries for each constellation, so uh, you know it happened to be ten degrees from the bright star of Vega. So ah, let's call it the Lyrids. Okay, <laughs> good, good enough reason. But uh, yeah, actually, it, it, the gradient on the night of maximum lies in, in eastern uh, Hercules. Okay. Uh, not, not bright. Not, Maybe about five degrees uh, east of the Keystone. I think I'm sure everybody knows the Keystone. That's where the um, famous Messier 14, uh, 13 is, the great globular cluster in Hercules.
1: Okay. Now, so, what is the date of maximum on this one?
0: The date of maximum will be Thursday the 22nd of April. Okay, great. So uh, this time of year, uh liver rises in the late evening. And uh, by the time it gets light, it's almost overhead for a lot of us. So uh, you can start watching by about midnight, but it'd be best to watch later on in the morning when the uh, when the radiant higher in the sky. You'll see a lot more activity. Plus this year, the moon will be a little bit of a factor uh, during the evening hours and to the hours just after midnight. We're going to have a, a waxing gibbous moon on that date, probably about what, 70, 75% illuminated. But it'll be gone by 3 to 3.30, depending on, on your location. And that's the perfect time to really be looking at the meteor. Oh, traffic. yeah, that's, the best, that's a perfect time to start watching. You know, you, Nick, you can watch for two, three hours until dawn okay and uh the like i said the radio will be pretty high in the sky so you can basically face any direction and see lyrid meteors coming down from from overhead fantastic um, you can tell they're lyrids because uh they're if, if you just concentrate in on one part of the sky these meteors will all be parallel to each other and if you have a cord or something you can line them up and say hey that came right from uh you know, ten degrees from Vega, or in Western or Eastern Hercules. So,
1: <laughs> okay. Now, is there a parent body to this meteor shower?
0: Yes, there is. It's a Comet Thatcher, which last passed through the inner solar system back in 1861, oh. and has a period of, I believe, 415 years. So it's a, it's a long period comet. Wow! Now you mentioned
1: oh. the maximum I was the twenty second. What is the actual length of this meteor shower?
0: We'll start seeing Lyrid meteors right around the mid-month, uh, the fifteenth. Okay, but the rates will be really low. In fact, it'll be really low right up to to, to maximum. Uh, it seems that this the, the trail is it's fairly condensed. Okay, and uh, you know we pass in and out of it fairly quickly. Uh, unlike the next shower we'll be discussing, so uh, you can see meters as early as April 15th or as late as April 29th, but rates will be less than one an hour. So oh, okay. Uh, and and on the night of ma- maximum activity, if you're watching from a dark sky with no moon, uh, you should be able to see anywhere from 10 to 20 meteors an hour oh, that's during those nice. last last couple hours. Before dawn.
1: Now, what are the characteristics of the meteors? Are, those, are they fast moving, slow moving? Or, they're uh, a, bright.
0: I would I would say medium fast. They're they're slower than the Perseids, but uh, faster than the Geminids. So, medium fast, I, I would say. Okay. So, and and it's interesting if you look directly straight up at the radiant, the ones you see there will actually be slower than the ones. That are that occur lower in the sky, and that's just by perspective. If you're looking at the radiant, these, those meteors are coming directly at you, ah. so they'll have short trails. And and uh, and if you look further down, away toward the horizon, they'll have much longer trails because they're, they're either shooting, you know, perpendicular or actually away from you. So okay, so we 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 suggest that you look about halfway up in the sky because uh, you'll have a big, nice, thick chunk of uh, atmosphere there to, to make these bright and long. So look, look halfway up to the sky and uh, you'll also see sporadic meteors, which are random activity that mm-hmm. uh, happens every night of the year. But uh, at this time of year, during the northern uh, hemispheric uh, spring, the rates for, for random meteors are pretty low. I'd only expect about five an hour. So the lyrics on the peak activity morning should be twice, if not three times, as strong. Okay. All right.
1: Good. Well, I will definitely set my alarm clock for three o'clock in the morning on the, uh, the morning of the 22nd.
0: <laughs> yeah. I actually plan to go out to the desert this year. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah, if I can avoid uh, the the wind that normally kicks up in April, that's true. Uh, it, yeah, it, it should be nice. Yeah, uh, this time of the year, it's not that hot out there, mm-hmm. and uh, if you can, and the, there's a lot of places out there that have perfect horizons all the way around. So if you can get a, get away from places like Palm Springs and Las Vegas, mm-hmm. kind of in between the two, you you can get some pretty dark skies.
1: Now, meteor showers are visible all over the world, though, right?
0: That is true. Yes.
1: Yeah. So no matter where you're at, just figure out the time and location that works, be- that works best for
0: you. All right. Yeah. Now, if if you're in Australia, though, the, ah. the the lyrics only rise about 10 degrees over their northern horizon. Okay. So they're going to see a lot less than us. Okay. And they'll be limited just to like an hour before sunrise. All right. All right. Uh, because it will uh, you know... Due, due to the radius location right, being, right. uh what's it 30, 30 38 degrees north uh declination there so yeah we, we definitely have an advantage for uh, for the Lyrids. okay
1: great um and you mentioned there's another meteor shower that we might there's be another might be
0: meteor seeing. shower that Australia is a perfect place to watch ah. from.
1: <laughs> well, there you <laughs> go, all, all of you down under. Please listen, observe. <laughs> that, that's right.
0: <laughs> we're talking about the Ada Aquariads, which are the outbound uh, particles of Halley's Comet. Oh, so, so we're we're gonna we're gonna encounter uh, the outbound particles of Halley's Comet as they swing around the Sun, and we're swinging right nearly head on. Uh, these meteors, in comparison to the Lyrids, are, are all fast. So, uh, like I said, they we're encountering them head on. And you can actually see a few eight Aquarians while watching the Lyrids. Uh, they'll be shooting upwards from the eastern horizon and, and will be noticeably faster. So, But I, I wouldn't expect too many. The maximum will be on May 5th this year. Okay. So if you're looking during the lyric Maximum, you won't see very many because you'll still be a couple of weeks away from the the uh, Aquarian Maximum.
1: Now the same time of night, same
0: location type thing too? Or? Unfortunately, the Radiant is in, Aqu- in Aquarius okay. near the uh, water jar. Okay. And that position is only about, oh shoot, probably about 45 degrees uh, west of the sun this time of year. Oh. So, problem with that is it doesn't rise till about two thirty or three for us. Okay, and that's why it's better seen in the southern hemisphere because they have longer nights than we do in in May, and plus the angle for them is a little bit higher, so they'll get to they'll get to see it come up and be higher above the horizon before it gets light. Okay.
1: Now, so, does the meteor section have uh? A number of observers from the Southern Hemisphere? Uh,
0: not really, but I'm in, in constant contact uh, with okay. several. So, well,
1: I know uh, there's listeners from the Southern Hemisphere of this podcast, and maybe we can get them out uh, that some evening in May to go out there and make some observations and send them in to you.
0: That would be great. This is their strongest shower of the year. Okay. Uh, hourly rate-wise. Um, okay it can get as high as 75. Oh, wow. And uh, the antiquariates do vary quite a bit year to year, and it's just not because of the moon. Um, there's there's a cycle of about 12 years, and it, like, like I said, it can be as high as 75, and as low as about 20. Unfortunately, we're in that uh, ebb <laughs> right now where we don't expect a whole lot of activity this year. But that's going to change in 2022 and 23.
1: So, okay. Well, I'm looking at our listeners in uh, oh, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand. I'm looking at you right now because <laughs> I see you're <laughs> listening to the podcast. So let's get out there and uh, submit some observations of this meteor shower. It'd be great. Right. You,
0: you, you won't regret it. Now, there will be a waning crescent moon close to the radiant uh, on the night of maximum activity i should say the morning of maximum activity which is which is May 4 may 5th excuse me but these meteors can be seen you know, well away from the radiant so you don't you definitely don't have to stare at the radiant to see these meteors okay. so you can either swing around to the west and the you know have, have the moon out of your field of view and the eight aquarius meteors will be shooting from left to right. You know, in your field of view, or you can swing around to the east, and it's just opposite. Uh, You know, the moon will be right out off your uh, right side there, and the eight Aquarius meteors will be shooting from right to left. Hmm. So, okay. So kinds of ways to get around from. from, What's uh, the
1: What's the best practice you would give someone for observing a meteor shower?
0: Be comfortable. Don't go out and stand and expect to see activity right away. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna get a crick, crick in your neck, and you'll say, "Well, those guys lied again. They, they don't know <laughs> what they're talking about." <laughs> but you got to get comfortable—a nice lounge chair that's you know nice and cushy—and uh, have it have it aimed about halfway up in the sky. And meteor showers is notorious for for having ebbs and flows of activity. Uh, this is just normal, random, you know, the, as the earth encounters these particles. So you if you go out there, you may see a lot right off the bat, or you may see nothing. But you have to watch for at least an hour to see both the peaks and valleys of these meteor showers.
1: Yeah, a lot of meteor showers I've seen, it's like you'll be out there, and then all of a sudden you'll let five or six, in a rapid right. succession and then a couple of minutes go by and then nothing and then you'll have a, a little group more come so just because you, know you don't see it any in 30 <laughs> seconds or a minute doesn't mean it's a bust
0: that's that's very true that's very true it normally happens to me when i'm setting up i'll see all these meteors out of the corner of my eye and say it's going to be a great show tonight and then i'll plop in the chair and get all comfy and uh where'd they all go you know <laughs> <laughs> now along
1: with sitting in the chair what uh, what equipment does one need to observe a meteor shower
0: you don't really need any any equipment unless you're really a serious observer, and then you might need a watch or something where you can uh, you can you know, have a start time and an end time. If you really want to get detailed, you can time the uh, the minutes that these these uh, these show up, and that way we you know we can tell when these little bursts occur, and it sure helps us define it. And. Uh, that's, that's, you know, what I use is one of, one of these little hand recorders and just record all the data that I need in there. And then I'll play it back when I get home. That way I can keep my eyes in the sky. Okay. What, what type uh, of data do you record? Well, the first thing is the time Okay. I, uh, that I see each meteor, the uh, the magnitude, you know, the, it varies from normally negative uh, four, which is bright is Venus all the way down to to five i can't really see six magnitude Mm -hmm. meteors unless you're in really super good skies so uh those are pretty rare for me okay but uh i even record the uh the the duration you know you can be as uh you can say it was uh, slow medium or fast or you can actually try to try to guess the uh degrees per second it travels a lot of people do that or i try to guess the uh the uh, either two tenths, four tenths, six, eight, or, or one full second. Uh, if you can, if you see enough, many meters I have, you you can get that pretty pretty well. Um, a, a moving object normally has to be at least four tenths of a second, and definitely can be seen at six tenths. If you just see a streak, those are normally. You know, 0.2 or 0.4. Okay. So uh, those are your real fast ones.
1: So estimates of how long you saw it are important? The, 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 the duration, right. Okay. Bright, the, the time, the brightness, and and the and, duration. And the duration. Now, what another about location?
0: Important, another uh, important factor, of course, is whether it's a data query or, or just a random meteor. So be sure and separate those. And another another very important thing is your sky conditions if you have any obscurations like hills or trees or clouds um you know we try to we try to keep you know keep that to within the 10 percent uh uh if you have a hill you know say well i i, I could see 90 percent of the activity that really helps us because um you know, we everybody's observations are, are are filtered so that they all come to the same conclusion. There, so if, if you have clouds or even if your limiting magnitude is very low, your counts are going to have to be bumped up, you know, to uh, to to be used. And we even have some people that observe in magnitude seven skies; their their uh, their totals need to actually be reduced. Oh my! By, by a factor. <laughs> okay. Because they're gonna they're gonna see more than anybody else.
1: Yeah, you want to normalize so, all your data that you're getting.
0: Right, right, and that's where we come up with the zenith hourly rate. You know, okay. everything is uh, is put where the radiant is directly overheads and a limiting magnitude of, of six point five. So okay. when we when we co- quote a zenith hourly rate, those are the conditions that we use. Now, hardly anybody gets those two factors. This, because rarely the meteor is, is not at the zenith. The meteor shower normally, is, you know, like the Aquarius, they're, they're going to be low. So there's going to be have, be a correction factor of two or three just because the radiant lies low in the sky. And also have to figure in, if you're going to be looking in that direction, your, your limiting magnitude is not going to be that that high either. So mm-hmm. there, there's another. So. Uh, a correction to your data can be as high as, as five times what you actually see. Oh, my. So Okay. That's interesting. I think, I think we forgot to mention the duration of the uh, Aquarius. Okay. They're, again, uh, active from uh, April 15th, peak on May 5, and they actually can be seen the first week of June. Uh, wow. That's one of the last remnants we you have to factor in halley's comet has been around a long that's, that's time true. so it's created a lot of trails there and you know they're not one right on top of or the other they you know that through the years they spread out and you're going to see outliers that yeah. will appear in april and in june but the main core uh is what you're going to see the uh, the week centered on uh, may 5 now unlike the lyrids the eight Aquarians are strong for a solid week um, what, what I mean is you know uh, I said before the maximum for the lyrics you only see one or two an hour well the eight Aquarius are probably better than 10 an hour that entire week so okay. centered on, on, on May 5th and then they'll reach they'll reach 20 or 25 this year on the on May 5th so definitely if you're clouded out on the night of maximum don't don't hesitate to come out try that try the next morning
1: okay now what about uh, astrophotography like full sky photography someone' wants to take their camera out and just point it in the area of the meteor shower is that data useful to you
0: yes yes we can we can take the positions and we can uh, we can get you know magnitude and if, if there's any uh, resulting train And if we get two or more people that can provide us photos of the same meteor, we can actually determine an orbit. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. All they need to do is provide us with their exact, you know, latitude, longitude. And then if we get those pictures, we can we can factor that in and we can actually get to get an orbit uh, of these meteors
1: all right well i'm challenging you listeners to either get out there and try some full sky astrophotography and send those off to bob i'll put his contact information in the show notes below and you can get all that
0: both of these showers are are noted for uh for bright meteors okay um you'll see probably more fireballs in the lyrance but uh But a majority of the eight aquariums are bright, but not quite that fireball category. And you don't want
1: photographs of the Starlink satellites, right?
0: <laughs> no, no. I've seen enough of those. I think everybody else has. Too. Have you
1: seen those that people think they're meteorite
0: Or I can't tell you how many. Fireball reports I have gotten. Really? <laughs> that, uh, yeah, and it's especially easy when they include a photograph of so these little dots, you know, going side by side. Uh, oh, uh, you know, a, a, a giveaway is when they said its fireball lasted sixty seconds or more. Yeah, that's that's
1: true. Yeah, and yeah. and there were twelve of them right next to each other. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Funny. I was wondering about that. Yeah, if you had yeah. observations so of that.
0: You guys can keep your pictures of the satellite <laughs> satellites. <laughs> <laughs> Very
1: funny. Now, what about the rest? How does just briefly, how does the rest of the year look for meteor showers?
0: The Perseids are going to be the big one this year. They okay. peak uh, with a new moon, so there won't be any lunar interference. Nice. So, uh, everybody circle the night of August 11, 12. Okay. And in fact, that should be our next podcast. Okay. Well, we will pencil it in for that. Yeah, and and unfortunately, the autumn showers—they're uh, all kind of kind of moon this year. Uh, the Orionids, the Leonids, and the Geminids—all—all all have a bright uh, lunar interference. So, okay. Uh, but you know what? A Geminid under a full moon is still better than ninety percent of the other nights you can observe. So, uh, if you just face north away from the moon on that geminid night, you'll still see thirty a good thirty meters an hour. Well, the geminids
1: is usually a pretty good shower,
0: yeah. And you know what I've found? I've found while observing in bright uh, moonlight that the meteors tend to have exotic colors. I've seen purples and pinks that I've really? never seen in dark skies. So I don't know if it's, you know, my eyes with the moonlight or something, but uh, interesting. It's, it's really interesting. <laughs> ah, I'll have to look for that. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Great. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about meteor showers or
0: you? <laughs> Oh, I'm just the same old boring guy. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is going to be the, uh, the last opportunity because uh, after the 8th Aquarius, uh, June and the first half of July is, is back to the low levels of activity in the northern hemisphere. So okay. it's not until mid-July that things start kicking into high gear. So, uh, with these two showers, you do have an opportunity to see some enhanced rates. So, if your skies are clear, certainly give, a, give it a try. Okay.
1: Now, how many average observations or observers do you have for a meteor shower that submit observations to the OPPO?
0: Uh, Probably a, a, a dozen. Okay. But, uh, unfortunately, they're focused in on the major showers. We would certainly like, you know, people to go out to, uh there, there's a list of almost a hundred showers during the year, and if you if you want to look at the ones that produce less than one an hour, well that can that can go up to the thousands. <laughs> but I have a list of about eighty-eight to ninety showers that produce normally one an hour. Uh, so so it's you know something that you can actually go out and see. Rather than rely on a video a camera that's operating all mm-hmm. night, you know, you can watch 10 hours where worth of data and say, I saw one right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, these ones that are, are visible uh, to, to the eye. Um, and, you know, we're, we're definitely looking for more data. And recently, there's been a few outbursts that no one really expected. So uh, there are still surprises out there. And uh, a lot of these showers, which you don't expect anything, they they can produce uh, a good example of that is one obscure one called the Epsilon, I'm sorry, September Epsilon Perseids. Um, In fact, we didn't even know that uh, the the parameters, we we thought they were by algal. And all of a sudden, right around 2005, this thing decided to, Blow up with thirty meteors an hour for a oh my. night, and from that, from those observations, people being out on nights that we really didn't expect anything, we were able to define better define that shower. So uh, now we know that's actually in the other side of Perseus, not near Algol. <laughs> mm. So uh, and there's there's all kinds of stuff that you can discover. So uh, you know, it's definitely not been taken over by video. Um, you know, we do need sets of eyes out there. Okay. So,
1: well, I challenge my listeners. I know we have a lot of people that enjoy these meteor shower podcasts. They are always one of our most, most popular. So please get out there. And even if you see a handful of meteors, that's still valuable information. Bob's email address is available on on this podcast and just send him a note of what you saw, how many you saw. And, and, you know, any data is good data. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. There's no photographs of Starlink. <laughs> <laughs> even even no data is, is good that, data. that that's because, an excellent point.
0: Because uh, I, I I swear um, the last week of March, first week of April is one of the deadest times of the year mm-hmm. and if something were to occur then it would be easily noticeable. So um, yeah, and even if you don't see anything uh, yeah. it, it it's valuable.
1: So on the morning of April 22nd for the Lyrids, set up your lounge chair, grab a blanket with a hot cup of cocoa and a little pad of paper or a little recorder. You've got your phone. Most phones have audio recording capabilities on them. You can just sit there and talk into that while you're looking at the time as the meteors go by. No special equipment, no expensive telescope, no expensive CCD imager, but you're doing science with your naked eye. Citizen science. Citizen science. Let's do it. All right. Well, Bob, I again, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast.
0: My pleasure. And we will have articles on these showers shortly on the AOPO website.
1: Great. And I will link those as well to the podcast.
0: Outstanding. Clear All skies, right.
1: everyone. Take care. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. I again want to thank Bob Lunsford coming on and talking to us about the upcoming two meteor showers. Please get out there and observe and submit your observations to Bob. Um, we're really looking forward to get a bump up in observations of, of meteor showers. They're a lot of fun, too. We upload new episodes of The Observer's Notebook on the 1st and 15th of every month. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. If you do, please rate and review us. I would really appreciate that. And you can also listen to us on Apple Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, and that box that listens to you in your house, the Amazon Echo. You can help support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon by giving it up to $35 a month. With That you will receive one year's membership to the Alpo and producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank producers of this podcast, Steve Sedentop and Michael Moyer for their continued generous support of the Observer's Notebook. Thank you very much, gentlemen. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the Alpo, is in the show notes. Contact me on email at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at, at observersnbpod. Until next time. My hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening and stay healthy.